the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, it is a Thursday, a little bit different Thursday for you. Typically, we have Jr. on here in the first hour, and then we replay him at 5. Today, we'll have him on, and then we'll replay him at 4. Because at 5 o'clock, it's Washita football. Oh, it's football season. It is football season. Today is the first game, and their pregame show with Rex Nelson, one of the more level-headed non-emotional broadcasters i've ever heard on calling college football if, if that if i had one critique for rex nelson it'd be like liven it up a little bit you know he's just it's just so monotonous and yeah i know it's hard to listen to no i'm just kidding rex does a great job he, yeah he's really really good but to say that he gets excited is an understatement. yeah a little bit that's an understatement just to be honest so jr davis is here governor spokesman he's joining us to start off let me start this off by something that I brought up to him last week. Uh, I gave him uh, what I had, and I asked him to be prepared to, to answer the question uh, when we got, we got back together again. And I have been sent a, a piece of uh, correspondence from the governor to, uh, it looks like state legislators, state senators, saying, hey, look, if you're wanting to run a bill, we need you to, to get it to us so that we can all look at this and see if we're going to pursue it or not. person who sent it to me was upset with that, said that the governor shouldn't be doing that kind of stuff, so we'll let, the, let you talk about that. Well, I think first and foremost, we just got to get our facts straight. This was actually sent to agency directors. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, no, no, not you. I just If there's any confusion out there about this, uh, obviously the executive branch, the governor's sort of the CEO uh, over – uh, state government when it comes to the executive branch and the directors of his agency. So basically what this letter is, and we've done it before, uh, basically uh, you know, letting our agency heads know that uh, we have a, a middle of September deadline for them to provide any uh, bills that they feel like they need to have filed uh, or technical corrections, those sort of things. That allows the governor's staff, specifically our um, legislative staff, to be able to uh, keep track of the governor's agenda for the 2019 session. So okay. obviously what we have is the executive branch is different from the legislative branch. They'll file their bills. They have their own rules. Uh, and, and we certainly understand and respect that. In this case, all we're doing is just trying to get a head count, know what's being filed by our agencies. Uh, in the past and in past administrations, uh, you know, agency directors have reached out to friendly legislators to run legislation. And, uh, you know, the governor's uh, and particularly uh, Governor Hutchinson, and in, in, in I believe in the 2015 session, there were cases of that, and even 2017, and we're not sure where it's coming from. So it's mainly just an organizational uh, effort to make sure that we're all on the same page, we know what's being filed, um, and... Uh, well, it would and, seem if, if, you, if you're ahead of an, an agency that the governor is, is over, I mean, he's the final arbiter for them, 
that they would be coming to the governor and saying, look, I'm looking to file this, and I want to give you a heads up, yep. and let's talk about it, and then see if the governor thinks it should be on the agenda. Absolutely. We asked for justification, reason behind it. Uh, for folks listening at home or, or driving in your car, you certainly know that there are a lot of bills filed during the session. One or two. Uh, one or two, and, and we want to cut <laughs> down on that, at least from the executive side. Uh, and so we want to make sure we know what those bills are, what the justification for those bills are, um, if there are any unintended consequences they may not have seen, that sort of thing, just so we can get on the same page and we're more organized as we get into the 2019 session. Okay, so... So, it has nothing to do with the legislature. All right, because that seemed to be what I think the that person was the confusion, sent, yeah. Yeah, was sending this to me and said that because they, they wrote some things on it that I'm not going to repeat. <laughs> and, you know, and so now you know the answer to it. I yep. mean, I can understand if you've got... Uh, the people who are head of agencies within the departments of of uh, the state government that before they go out trying to pursue legislation, they should make sure that it's on the governor's agenda. Yes, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And like I said before, the Senate and the House they have their own rules. Uh, they line up that legislation as best they can. I mean, so they have their own their own set of rules and their own organizational structure. Uh, what we're doing in the governor's office, we have we obviously have a lot of big issues uh, coming up in twenty nineteen. Obviously, the tax cuts, tax reform legislation, a lot of heavy uh, lifting. Yep, coming. transformation. Uh, where we're going to start seeing more details of that towards the uh, middle or end of September. Um, so these are really big uh, pieces of legislation. We've got teacher salary uh, to consider, uh, highways, that sort of thing. So there's a lot of big issues. We just want to make sure that um, the governor's office and his agencies are on the same page when it comes to other legislation as well. Well, the last thing you want is somebody to put out a piece of legislation, though it may not be big, it may be something that ignites something and gets everybody Looking at that instead of looking at the big picture stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, we really want to focus this session from, again, the executive branch's point of view on some of these big ticket items. Of course, we completely understand that there are some issues within agencies that they'd like to rectify, and they can only do that through statute and legislation. So we completely understand it, um, and just we want to know work about with them, it. but we want to know about it, and we want a justification for it before we move forward. I mean, it, it would be like somebody in the IRS wanting a bill ran and they didn't talk to the president about it yeah i would think that would be an issue <laughs> yeah people might get just a president might you might be on his twitter feed yeah yeah and just to <laughs> underscore again for just anyone that may have misunderstood that that this is okay. certainly a separation of powers we understand uh, we understand the significance and respect the legislative branch of government uh and we of course uh, have the governor as head of the executive branch, and that's what this particular letter was for to his agencies and not to any sort of uh, – uh, nothing intended towards any legislator. Yeah, so. so he didn't tell the legislators, hey, pass your bills through me first. Hey, we wish they'd do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So that's all that was for is just agency okay. heads. Just and, saying. And that's it. So. All right. Serious, serious uh, – story on the front page today of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette written by John Moritz. Five deaths in four days reported at prison. Uh, Let me just read the first two paragraphs. Two prisoners at Arkansas's Varner unit were found unresponsive in their cells. Uh, Wednesday morning later died. A prison official confirmed raising to five the total number of deaths at the prison this week. The Arkansas State Police is investigating the recent string of deaths 
Jim DePriest, chief attorney for the Department of Corrections, said it would, quote, not surprise, unquote, officials if the deaths are determined to be drug-related. All right, so question is, they're in a prison. How are we getting drugs into the prisons? And I got to think that the governor has probably been asking that question. Sure. Well, in this particular case, uh, the investigations are still ongoing with state police and Department of Corrections, and the uh, cause of deaths are still under review. So we got to take take that fact uh, for what it is as we kind of move through this. But you know, when you're dealing with K2, this is a very, very different sort of drug, and it's very difficult to track. Uh, the Department of Corrections. Uh, Director Kelly, they've done a lot to try to curb um, that getting into the prison. But we're talking, you know, K2 can be on a piece of paper and and, and not be, and you're not able to trace it as it comes into the prison. Uh, one thing they've done is take letters and things like that to prisoners and scan them in and then give them a fresh uh, uh, set of those copies so they can try to make sure that that K2 is not getting in that way. But it can be on clothing, it can be on a number of different things, and it can be you know the size of a dime. And so essentially uh, what you have in this particular drug, and the paper uh, with an expert explains a little bit more than, than probably I'll be able to do, but uh, this is a concoction of a bunch of different things. And you've got these sort of at-home chemists, if you will, that put this together, and it can be extremely potent. Uh, and so, but it can be basically the size of a dime, a drop on uh, a shirt, which you can cut out, burn it, and smoke it, essentially. Um, and so, you know, what this is is just hard to trace. Other states are dealing with it right now as well. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the day, they're they're putting up as is. I believe we're on pace right now, as as uh, the reporter stated in the piece, that we'll be below what we had last year. But it's still an issue that they're trying to work through. Um, you know, the governor has uh, spoken with uh, state police, ADC, to get all the information he can possibly get. Uh, as that information comes in, he'll, of course, uh, uh, look through that, review it. But it, in the meantime, though, he has requested Director Kelly to take a look at other states' best practices as to how they're um, preventing this use of K2 by their inmates. So it's it's a review process. We're going to continue to look at it. We have done better. Um, but in this case, obviously, when you have, uh, you know, five in the span of a week, um, it's it's certainly something that uh, we're paying attention to for sure. Well, it has to be smoked. It's not just drop it on your tongue or something like that. I think you can't. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think you can ingest it in, in several different ways, but okay. I know that part of it is that um, you know you can uh, either smoke it, ingest it, just as is, uh, or whatever it is. But I think you can get the chemicals. I'm not sure how they do it, but getting it in is is the issue. Um, they've done a lot to prevent it, um, but it still continues to be an issue. And uh, and a lot of it too is just education to the inmates. I mean, and you've seen it five deaths and. Four yeah, days, it might or whatever not be it was, the best thing to be yeah, ingesting. Education to letting them know that this this is dangerous stuff. So, um, you know, it's 2018. Uh, we're closing in on 2019. It's a very different world, even inside prisons, than it was 20 years ago. Especially the sort of drugs that uh, these inmates are, are are trying to get into their prison cells. So it's it, it's certainly a work in progress. There there has been. Um, strides made in this department, but it's something we're going to continue to look at, continue to uh, combat. And as of right now, uh, Director Kelly is looking at other states for examples of how they can do a better job of preventing that. So how long has this been getting into the prisons? I mean, when did this thing show, this sure. show up? 
Well, this really started probably, yeah, don't quote me on this, but I think probably two years ago, you really started seeing uh, K2 coming into the prisons uh, more I'll be honest, frequently. first time I've heard of it. Yeah, well, it, it started, I want to say probably about two years ago is when it really started um, uh, to get noticed um, because it is easy uh, to get into the prisons. And like I said before, a lot of the ways that inmates were getting it were from families, uh, correspondence. They'd drop a little bit on a piece of paper. Uh, they'd take that and ingest it however they figured out how to do that. Um, um, so that's how it was getting through. When ADC put in place a process where they would scan all these letters from now on and then give it to the inmates without it being on an you know outside source, um, that certainly curbed it. Um, but you know, there's there's other ways to do it yeah, as well. Yeah, you they so, put it on clothing and all kinds sure. of stuff. Yeah, it can be, yeah, exactly. It can be on uh, – uh, it can it can come through the prisons in a lot of different ways. Wow. So they're certainly trying to, uh, to the best of their abilities, identify those ways and crack down on it. Um, but, but, again, a lot of it is about education and making sure these inmates understand that uh, the, this is this is by no means any sort of a pharmaceutical. This is this is someone at home putting this together, and it can be extremely potent with a lot of different toxins in it, um, and and can ultimately lead to death, as we've seen in the last week. Mm. All right, we'll come back. We'll talk more. J.R. Davis, uh, the uh, governor's spokesperson, is with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Did you know that there are 567 different ways to claim your Social Security benefits? There's 2,728 rules in the Social Security Handbook. And to make matters worse, the federal government has told the Social Security Administration that they're actually forbidden to offer you any personalized advice. So you're on your own about how you should claim your Social Security. It's no wonder that as much as $10 billion a year in benefits goes unclaimed. Now, to educate yourself about this, Learn how you could wring every nickel out of your Social Security benefits in the up-to-date 2018 Guide to Social Security. From David Lucas, host of the uh, David Lucas Show, right here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. To get your free 2018 Guide to Social Security, be one of the first 10 callers right now at uh, 501-653-6690. And don't leave thousands of dollars on the table dealing with your retirement, basically. I mean, when you start retiring, getting Social Security, you don't know how much longer you're going to live. It could be a day. It could be 30 years. You could leave a lot of money on the table if you screw up the way that you take your Social Security. So uh, get back every nickel. That's rightfully yours. Again, call 501-653-6690 or visit davidlucasfinancial.com. All right, back with your interesting story, uh, Today, also in the paper, this from uh, a national perspective, uh, Jr. written by Andy Davis, uh, the lawsuit over a work requirement for Arkansas's Medicaid program shouldn't be decided by the same judge who stopped a similar requirement from taking effect in Kentucky attorneys for President Donald Trump's administration contend. Now, Arkansas's law is totally different than Kentucky's, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's different on um, you know a number of items. One of which is the actual um, waiver and the way it's written for Arkansas. It's different from Kentucky's. I think Kentucky also had some general numbers of how many they believed it would take off their rolls. It was around ninety thousand. We haven't provided such a number. 
Um, and and so there's uh, and obviously Arkansas's has been implemented. That's really one of the key issues is that Kentucky's was never implemented. Arkansas's has been implemented. We're in our third month now. And basically, those uh, DOJ attorneys are arguing that the uh, both cases only involve uh, disputes over the law, not over the facts, and they're two separate approvals from HHS. And so that's what they're pushing back on. Uh, there's actually a rule. Uh, in another case, they said two cases can't be considered related just because they involve the same legal arguments, quote, presumably because this would create a sweeping exception to the general rule requiring random assignment of cases. Um, so basically, that prevents judge shopping, uh, if you will, and that's the way the paper put it this morning. So uh, the DOJ is basically saying, look, this shouldn't go to the same judge who ruled on the Kentucky um, uh, work requirement. This should go to a random judge. Um, because the cases, although they're, they're along the same different. law, they're different. They're not related in that case. Yeah. So um, that's what they're pushing for, and we'll see what happens on that front um, as we close into the end of the third month here in Arkansas for reporting. At that point, people will be removed uh, from the roles if they haven't, um, if they haven't verified their, uh, uh, you know, whether it's worker training. Uh, 80 hours a month and working or full-time student, that sort of thing. If they haven't uh, placed that verification on the website, um, then those individuals will be removed from those roles. All right. So I want you to go back because I think we talked about this last week or the week before as well. And it was there's more ways than just on the Internet that right. they can contact and, and report certainly this information. Because Brummett – the other day was writing in his uh, column, and yep. at the very beginning, he says, just by a keystroke, uh, the state government can throw you off health care. And I thought to myself, that's just not only disingenuous, that's just flat-out lying. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, and we've talked about this at, at exhaustion on, on this program. I've talked to a lot of reporters about it. We talk about it within our office, and, of course, DHS has just been – doing everything they possibly can to notify individuals. Uh, addresses they have on file, email addresses. So you've got snail mail, you've got emails, uh, you've got uh, different groups within the state, the provider community that are reaching out to make sure these folks know what's expected of them. And at the end of the day, uh, we, we're still sitting at around a number where no one has, uh, I, I should say, a, a number that uh, basically shows these individuals haven't reached out, they haven't made contact, um, they haven't verified uh, an exemption, and they haven't verified any, any uh, um, uh, work or training that they've done uh, in the past three months. So the way it works is if you are uh, uh, if you do not meet those requirements over a three-month period of time, any three months um, uh, of, uh, throughout the calendar year, you're kicked off until the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we think that, number one, that gives uh, plenty of time Number one, to yeah. see that, you know, if you don't meet the first month, you don't meet the second month, you get a notification from DHS after every single one of those pass uh, up into the third month. And at some point, personal responsibility has to come into play here. But on the flip side of it, too, we have seen people uh, that are um, that have moved into work uh, that have been um, directed to workforce services that have been involved with either getting a GED uh, or um, worker training to get another job or, or a skill assessment to make sure that what skills they have and what job they'd be best suited for. So we're seeing people move into the 
workplace. And, and I think that's uh, really what this is all about, is that we want to develop a stronger workforce here in the state of Arkansas. And if you're of working age with no dependents, um, and, uh, uh, and if you're of working age, no dependents enabled body, you should be out working. And that's the whole philosophy behind this. And that's how we build a better workforce. And that's how we have companies can get companies into the state of Arkansas because they know that there's a workforce here. So we're trying to strengthen that and also move people up the economic ladder. Uh, that's how we grow a state. That's how we move, uh, from some of the bottom of those lists, but we've got to get people, um, to buy into this and, and get out and start working, and that's what the whole point of this is. Now, I just wanted to bring out that, you know, Brummett tried to let people think that the state was just not doing anything, and if you didn't get on that computer and report, they're going to kick you off. All right, we're going to get to the news. Come back. J.R. Davis will be with us for the rest of the hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let's find out what's happening in the world, and then we'll get back to talking about things here in Arkansas. All right, let's continue on. J.R. Davis is here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He's the governor's spokesman. He joins us just about every Thursday uh, to talk about what's happening uh, in the legislature, in the executive, what the executive thinks about what's going on in the legislation, (laughs) all all that kind of stuff. All that stuff. We've got him here to talk about it today. Uh, let's talk about rules and regulations. You know, we're going to be into September uh, in just a few days. That means that we're about four months away from the next General Assembly. That's right. Yeah. And so, what so we, things have got to be getting, you know, revved up for that. You know, it's funny. I always say after either a fiscal or a general, things will settle down. I don't think they've settled down since uh, – since the governor got sworn into office, it feels like, but uh, we've been working towards uh, several different goals since the fiscal session into the summer. Now as we move into the fall, um, one particular item uh, has been uh, the rules and regulations process uh, that was uh, jump-started by Act 781. That was Representative Jim Dotson's bill mm-hmm. um, that basically, uh, you know, the um, uh, the governor, at the passage of 781, the governor directed all of his state agencies to provide a list of their um, rules and regulations. Some of them are filed with the Secretary of State's office. Some of them aren't. Some of them have been around for a very, very long time and have outlived their usefulness. Um, and then there were some agencies that couldn't really tell you what all their rules and regs were because it's just been sort of a shelf for the last few decades where you just sort of stick it up there and you forget about it. So um, really what this was... Uh, if you could kind of term it spring cleaning, if you will, um, of the rules and regulations processes. And um, so they came back and said, here are the ones we we know we need to enforce, but here are uh, a group that we need to repeal uh, and are no longer relevant and we think are burdensome or duplicative, um, which will really um, help, I think, all of our agencies moving forward um, and the services uh, they provide to our Kansans. But, for example, there's about 3,300 rules that are going through subcommittees this week, and ALC will take them all up at around October, end of October, uh, to give final approval. Of those 3,300, it'll be about 838 rules that will be repealed, um, which is great news for the state of Arkansas. Um, and it was a heavy lift. I mean, this is not an easy undertaking for agencies uh, having hey, to go Somebody's got to sit down and read them all, don't they? Absolutely. So of those 838-some-odd rules and regs that are being repealed, it's over 15,000 pages uh, of rules. 
So when you really kind of put that into context, it's a lot of work. Uh, it's a lot of a lot of heavy moving by some of these agencies. They've spent a lot of time on it, and so this sort of is the culmination to that point where the subcommittees are are voting to repeal them, um, and then, like I said before, it'll go before ALC uh, in October for final repeal. But that's that's really big news for Arkansans. So when you get into that, and you this has got to be more than one person. There's several people reading them. If they think that there's something that's, you know, you know, doubled up on something else, who makes the final call if they think it should go in the discard pile? You mean for, well, the agencies will make the uh, uh, their recommendations. So the head of the agency will determine which they think should be stripped out of their books. Absolutely. And so, and then wow. obviously they'll run it by the governor's office. When the governor came into office, he had two executive orders he signed on the first day. One was a hiring freeze. And one was a rules process, which basically meant that uh, beforehand agencies could uh, write their rules, send them to the legislature, and you know go through it that way. Well, now since 2015, they've had to run all of their rules through the governor's office, and so that gives us the opportunity to look through them and say, "No, go back. Uh, I don't approve of this rule. You got to rewrite it, or this isn't good, um, or yes, this looks fine. Let's move forward with it." But it really gives us a hands-on approach, so we know what's being. Uh, written and directed towards legislators out there uh, from our agency. So that's been uh, really, really helpful over the last three and a half years. 781 was a bit different in that it said, you know, we need to have sort of a, uh, like I said before, for lack of a better phrase, spring cleaning of these rules and regs to see which ones are relevant, which ones aren't, and let's get rid of the ones that aren't and just wipe them from the books. And I think that's uh, long overdue in the state of Arkansas. I know the governor's been pushing this for a while as well as uh, Representative Dotson. So we were uh, thrilled uh, by uh, what our agencies have provided um, and obviously have had a uh, good relationship with the legislature and Representative Dotson in getting this done. So it's it's really a, a great step forward. Um, we have the uh, 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 red tape reduction task force this meeting as well which could come into play in 2019 as far as more legislation we've had uh, as a result of 781 we've had agencies come up with new rules apart separate and apart from 781 that have basically said let's take a deeper dive into this and see which ones make sense which ones don't for example um, uh, the department of environmental quality uh, saw a rule that basically said you've got to get a permit from ADEQ and a permit from oil and gas. Uh, it's the same, basically the same permit. If you already have one, you have to have the other sort of yeah. thing. And they said, let's eliminate that duplicative process, and it saves, it's for oil wells, um, and that saves about 250 bucks a year. So it's little things like that that have been on the books per for a long oil time. Well, right? Yeah, for the, each permit. Yeah. And so that saves a lot of money. Um, for those individuals in that particular industry, but you know the list goes on and on. I mean, there's a lot of examples of just these duplicative processes that have really kind of bottlenecked state government and the services we're supposed to be able to provide to our taxpayers and the individuals of our state. So uh, that's really the drive behind this. How do we make things more efficient? How do we streamline these services? And if there's things out there that don't need to be there anymore, let's just wipe the slate clean. Businesses don't love you for this. I'm just saying. Well, it, like I said, it was a long time coming, and, and I know uh, uh, the governor, his office, and uh, the legislature has really worked hand-in-hand with this, and I think it's going to be really good for the state. We, it really is sort of the year of reform, if you will, which will culminate in 2019, but between tax reform, tax cuts, rules and regs, and then transformation, um, there's a lot of really, really big and significant items uh, that will come to the floors of both chambers 
and hopefully ultimately to the governor's desk in 2019. And, and I think Arkansas and Arkansans as a whole will be better off for it. Well, I just know that uh, businesses, the fewer loops that loopholes loop or, or lit hoops that they got to jump through, yep. the better they like it. Uh, 100%. Yeah, we want to be able to create an environment uh, where businesses feel confident that they can expand, they can grow. Uh, we want them to be able to do what they do best. And some regulations are obviously key. You need to have some regulations uh, within industries uh, and in state government as well. But we do not uh, at any point want to stifle economic development in this state. I think we're on the cusp of something special. We've seen a lot of the fruits of that labor in the last couple of years and really in the last few months. Um, but I think when we get some of these onerous issues out of the way, uh, Arkansas will will really kind of hit their stride and, and be able to continue uh, moving in the right direction as far as growing our economy. Were businesses in any way involved in this? Could they uh report to somebody and say hey you you got this reg out there don't think that it's necessary and it just causes undue burdens on our our industry sure well i think act 781 i'm sure agency directors probably heard from from sort of the industries that they work with and represent probably so (laughs) yeah um but uh you know we've had sort of uh, an open door policy, really, with with folks in Arkansas. If they have some issues, you know, they go to their agency. The agency talks to the governor's office. We need to repeal a rule or approve a rule. However, that process goes. Um, we've we've had those relationships and those conversations that have been ongoing. But you also, like I said before, the red tape production task force that's made up of uh, executive, legislative, and private sector folks as well. So looking at things, saying, does this make sense? Does this not make sense? Should we really be regulating the hair braiding uh commission sort of th- i mean just stuff like that we're saying is this is this the right direction or do we just need to you know remove that entirely and 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 move forward with it so good conversations are being had uh and like i said before there's just a lot of big ticket and significant items coming up in 2019 that i think all of our kansas will benefit from uh once that legislation is signed into law all right we got another section of the show to do with jr but before we do that let me remind you if you're looking for fresh vegetables and fruits right off of the farm look no further than holland bottom farm you can choose from a great selection of watermelons okra tomatoes cantaloupes jalapeno peppers sweet lunchbox peppers red yellow orange green bell peppers cayenne peppers and even yellow squash Holland Bottom Farm has delicious peaches now, blackberries, blueberries, and Robin Hood honey that's uh, taken right from the hives located on the farm. You can eat healthy with Holland Bottom Farm and Cabot right off of Highway 321. They're open Monday through Saturday from uh, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Now they're closed on Sundays. All right, back with you here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show, by the way, uh, Former Senator John McCain's body is being flown now from uh, Arizona to the nation's capital where he'll be lying in state in the rotunda of the capital. I don't know how long he's going to be uh, lying there in state. Uh, I get there on Tuesday. Yeah, I think interment is is Sunday, I believe. Is it? Um, So, yeah, I believe he'll be laying in state, I would assume, today through that time. Okay. All right. So that that's what's going on. They had a special memorial service for him today uh, there in Phoenix, and now they're done in Arizona and moving to Washington, D.C. And I think Sunday they'll be at the uh, National Cathedral where they'll hold his funeral, if I'm not mistaken. 
that's how that all works. All right, so with that said, let's uh, finish up with uh, JR. But let me also remind you first about Aero Plumbing. They're the people that I use. Uh, I've been using them for years. Uh, folks at Aero Plumbing are professional. They dress in uniforms. They show up. No plumber pencil holder. If they show up, that doesn't happen. They wear the little booties. And if they don't put the little booties on when they come in your house, uh, you don't have to pay any money whatsoever for their visit to your house. Uh, on top of that, if you're not satisfied, 100% satisfied with the service that they provided to you, they'll refund all your money there. And if the plumber swears in your house, wow, they will refund your money also. If repair fails, of course, in the first year, they repair it again at no charge to you. Uh, that's what makes uh, Aero Plumbing special. There's a whole lot of other things I can go into, but I don't have time to give you all of them. Uh, just know that Earl Donaldson, the man behind Aero Plumbing, has done everything that he can, I believe, to make uh, having the plumber come to your home, which is something that a lot of us don't like to see happen because it's usually you know, a, a big process and can be very expensive depending on what the problem is. But Aero Plumbing will make it as nice as they possibly can. That's aeroplumbing.net or on Google. Just go to Aero Plumbing. You find all of the uh, you know, contact information there for Earl and his professionals. That's who I use. Just let you know that. Okay, so the uh, Arkansas School Safety the Commission mm-hmm. got together and uh, had their kind of open time for people to come by and say here's what i think you guys should Mm do Uh, let me just read one thing in the recommendations that i like the initial recommendations state that no campus should ever be without armed present presence when staff and children are present and includes options for increasing armed presence on school campuses those options include the already legally permitted school resource officers who are police officers assigned to schools and commissioned school security officers who can be teachers and other school district personnel who are not police officers but meet training requirements to carry and use weapons, if necessary, on campuses. That's good news. Yeah. Yeah, it's good news. The uh, What you just stated there has really been sort of the – um, the theme of this commission. I mean, they've been very transparent. They've listened to all sides on every issue, um, and they've continued to do so. The first report, initial report, was presented to the governor um, at the 1st of July. Uh, the final report will be due in November. Um, so they're still working through all of that. But again, those initial recommendations are, uh, I think, good news for schools across the state. There's no unfunded mandate um, that we're pushing on schools. We want to be able to work with them. Um, obviously, you have some big schools with bigger budgets and smaller yeah. rural schools that uh, have a smaller budget. We want to absolutely do what we can to help them all um, in in what is the focus here, and that's protecting our, our kids and our staff at schools. Uh, I, I will point out there were some groups there that uh, I think continue to, to miss the mark on this. Uh, I know uh, Moms Demand were there, and, and they mentioned that uh, you know, teachers shouldn't be forced to carry guns. They're that is, never going to be forced. Never, that's never been the issue here. I think they've continued to hit that point, but that's it's a 
a pointless point, if you will. There's there's nothing uh, in the report that says teachers have to carry or that teachers should carry. They're just saying that uh, armed personnel should be on campus at all times when you have staff and students there, uh, and whether that's through a school resource officer or uh, you know a, a um, commissioned officer through uh, you know some staff at the school after having training uh, to be armed. I mean those are those are fundamental. Uh, layers of security that you have to have uh, on a school campus, and I think they cite a report that there were like uh, twelve or, or some some uh, some number of of, of uh, uh, attackers uh, that were uh, basically stopped by an armed individual, and I think twenty two cases um, of, of uh, individuals being stopped by unarmed. I, I think that's great on both levels. I don't, but I don't think that means that one's better than the other. No. I think you've got to have those layered security measures. Um, and and I also bring up a point where I believe it was uh, uh, the leader of the Arkansas Moms Demand Action said something like, um, "We would like to ask the commission to consider gun violence prevention policies in its final report, especially since the governor's recent comments show that he is now open to having discussion about gun violence prevention measures statewide." I have no idea where getting where they're getting that. Uh, I know a, where they got it. Well, from. it was from I do too. I guess there is a news conference where they the governor was asked about five specific laws. He said four of them are absolutely non-starters. Yeah. Um, and on the fifth, I believe it was a red flag laws. He said that if you could um, uh, if you could absolutely be certain of due process, that was something that maybe legislators would would look at and debate. But at no point in time did he ever commit to anything like that. So I think it's always frustrating when people take things out of context and twist words to make it fit uh, their priority. I, I do think one of the more crucial aspects of all this was Dr. Alan Meese, a pediatrician and the state health uh, department's medical director for child and adolescent health. He really spoke on mental health, which I think has been such a priority for the governor as well. Is that right. You've got to be able to focus in on this from the very beginning. Um, and if you know it's one of those things, you see something, say something. If you notice something about a student, um, their backgrounds have a lot to do with it too, the, the stresses they have at home. You've got to be able to identify uh, those issues with those students at the get-go so you can um, you know, uh, head this off at the pass before something tragic happens at one of our schools here in Arkansas. So I, I'm, I was pleased by his comments. I think that's really an important part of the uh, commission's recommendations uh, moving forward, and we'll get to take a look at those in November when they've got it all set in stone. But but I think mental health is such a key aspect of all that. Our counselors are a big part of it, and we want to make sure they have the time um, to do what they're supposed to do, and that's make sure our students are taken care of mentally, not just physically. All right, we have about three minutes. Last question for you. How's the governor feel about the Senate getting on board and, and getting ready to institute broadcasting live on the Internet uh, from the well of the Senate and from uh, the committee meetings? Uh, supports it. Uh, I think that it's been a long time coming. Um, I think it's it's good to have that transparency uh, so folks can you know watch what's going on in the Senate just like they can in the House. Uh, so he commends the Senate leadership on that and and for the buy-in there to make sure this got uh, uh, the attention it deserved and ultimately uh, passed and um, hopefully prepared by the 2019 session. So uh, all good news there, and I think that will definitely serve the people of Arkansas well too. All right. Appreciate you coming in. We won't get together next Thursday. I'll be in Washington, right. D.C., so you get to take a Thursday off. I'm taking a Thursday off. 
And then we'll be back the following Thursday. That sounds like a good plan. All right, man. Thanks right. so much for coming in. J.R. Davis, he's the spokesman for the governor in talking about what things are going on, uh, you know, as far as we're getting ready for the general se- uh, session that's coming up in January. There's a lot more work that's going to be done, and uh, we'll keep you apprised of what all is happening. Uh, before I get to the news, let me remind you about Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. I use Sonny's uh, a lot, and I'll tell you why. I've got a, I got a car. Uh, it's got 267,000 miles on it, and I'm not looking to put a brand new part on uh, when I can go to Sonny's and get a part that works just fine and looks absolutely new, and it costs me about 50% less then what if I bought a brand new part? So I go to Sonny's and save money. I uh, save money by dropping a new engine in uh, a Corolla I got. I bought the engine from Sonny's. I bought a transmission from Sonny's. I bought from Sonny's a, a rear tail light that would have cost me nearly $270. Uh, if I bought it new, I bought it from Sonny's. It cost me 50 bucks. All right, and they put it in, and it looked absolutely new. So I'm just saying it's the way to do it. I, it's the way I always say when it comes to going green, because everybody says, Dave, you need to become green. And I always have said, I'll go green when it saves me green. Well, this this saves me green. I'm just telling you, this is the way recycling makes sense to me. And on top of that, all of these parts that you get are guaranteed and come with a standard warranty. They also offer one, two, and three-year warranties on all the parts. I get the three-year warranty on parts and labor and unlimited miles during those warranties. That means for three years, I don't have to worry. If something goes wrong with that engine on the Corolla, I just take it back to Sunny's and they'll fix it until it runs exactly the way it's supposed to run. All right, again, you can give them a call, 982-7451, Got news coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with the Dave Ellswick Show. Another hour uh, with me live. Then we'll replay our interview with J.R. Davis. If you missed that, we'll replay it in the uh, 4 o'clock hour, 5 o'clock, starting uh, the new year, the 2019 season for the Washita uh, football team. It's still 2018. Yeah, but it's a 2019 season, isn't no, it's it? it's 2018 season. No, 18, 19. Okay. 2018 season uh, for Washita coming up, and we'll have their – who are they playing today? Like Northwestern, Oklahoma. Okay. So are they on the road again? Oh, yeah. They start off in Alva, Oklahoma. Oh, I've been there. Not much to talk about. Just telling you. Hey, Dwayne is with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He called in. Dwayne, what's up? Hey, Dave. How are you? I'm doing good. Haven't heard from you in a while. Well, I have not. Uh, I, I've lost the number. I, I had changed cell phones, and so I had lost the number to the station. Well, now uh, you have it again. Uh, yes, sir, I do. And I wanted to correct that uh, note of uh, BS that uh, JR gave you about the prison. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Number one, they need to get rid of Director, Director Kelly. She does not know what she's doing. Um, she has a handicap. Uh, one which has prevented her from ever being an officer. She's never held a uniform position in the correction system. She doesn't know anything about corrections other than what she's read in books. Okay, she has no no business being the director of ADC at all. 
Okay. Right. She's a front per- she's a front person for somebody. Number two, the drugs that they're talking about, uh, some of it does come through, like he said, on clothing, whatever. A lot of it is being tossed over the fence, David, like Dave, like you would take and, and toss over a bag of tomatoes or a bag of fruits at Barner at least on a weekly basis. Okay? That about two months ago they had an officer try to bring in nine cell phones down there at Barner through the front door. Okay, you can look out. You, you can go FRI your your and and get the get the the paperwork because you'll find it. And they got officers that that they got officers that are bringing in all these drugs. They they taking it and they uh, put it in uh, condoms and they stick it up in their uh, if it's female they stick it up in their vagina. If it's a male they stick it up in their anus. And they're being paid to deliver this stuff. Their cell phones are coming in the same way. Uh, half the time you don't have anybody up there. Uh, watching the scanners, they're not really doing the checks the way they're supposed to. Uh, they're they're taking and, and they're they're falsifying state documents, saying they're doing thirty minute checks. They're not doing that. You can for you the security camera tapes. Uh, I did. I ran an undercover investigation. They fired me just to, just to put this out here, so because they'll they'll probably call and tell you that. Um, I ran an undercover investigation, which I gave the evidence to the FBI in Little Rock. Okay. And they, they fired me on a reason, but something they already knew, but they did it because I wouldn't tell them who I had given the, the information to, uh, what I had found out. Um, what, they have people in high ranks that are gang, active gang members, okay? These are people that, okay, they, they have gang members that outrank them. So if the gang member tells them to do something, they have to do it because or, or either they face retaliation from the gang, okay? Right. I can prove that. You got wardens that are dirty, okay? Somebody, Dave, is getting paid. You don't get that kind of drugs going through this prison. You got, you got officers going in there with cigarettes, I mean, cartons of cigarettes, Dave. And not, not, I'm not talking about, you know, I'm packed. I'm talking about and it's still in the package. And nothing is done. They, don't, they, they just had a female they had to fire because I found out some information and turned it in. She's pregnant from an inmate with twins, Okay. Yeah, you can FOI that and find that out too. Okay, so Director Kelly is not number one doing her job. Number one, she's not qualified to be in that position, and they need to do some changes. They do some do some serious house cleaning because the inmates are dying like that, and it really grieves me. And they don't care. They think them inmates are trash. They're laundering drugs through the uh, commissary. That's what I found out. That I kept trying to figure out what, how they were, how, how's this money? They got a barracks in the Pine Bluff unit that, that barracks every weekend, Dave. One barracks, just one barracks. Do three to five thousand dollars worth of drug sales every weekend. Every weekend. And it's not a secret. Okay, and, and you said, now you, you, paid. now you said that you took this to the FBI and nothing came of it? No, sir. They, they, they said, well, we know that we've, we've, heard, we've, got, we've heard information that's being, that, that there's drugs going through there, but this is not really a, a uh, FBI problem. Hmm. And so then they called in the state police guy, and so because of the, what they say is why I got fired, well, then, you know, they, they really don't want, want to do it. They said they don't believe me. Well, I don't care. I know what, what I found out. I know what it was true. And they just they did not want to go with it because they know when they started digging, they could find out too much corrupt stuff. And they got a lot of corrupt wardens in there that that sh- should have been gone a long time ago. 
They they outstay their usefulness. They're crooked and they're dirty. And you got some directors in there that are the same thing. I I can give you names. They that they just as crooked and dirty and out. I mean, just outright. They had a they had a a, a, a warden that was at Barnard that they find they they let him resign. Actually, they didn't find they let him resign. He had, he had an inmate that was at Barnard. It was his um it was his, it was his uh domestic and. So the, the, uh, he would babysit the, the, the warden's kids. He was sleeping with the warden's wife. Then he, then he, this guy, this inmate in particular, he he's a he's a really talented artist, Dave. I mean he I mean he paints good. And so I don't know how you you managed to have a state conversation about this, but this warden had a conversation with this inmate, said, "Hey, I, I'll sell your inmate, I'll sell your your pictures on the internet." Now I don't know how you work that into a state conversation, but he managed to do that, and so he made a deal with him. He said, "Well, split the profits, whatever." One of the pictures he sold for twelve thousand dollars, Dave. That's right. what he did. He, he ain't give the inmate nothing, so the inmate set him up. Now this 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 war this warden is also a free world police. Now, so he owns he he owns two separate things now of, of law enforcement, and you know what they did. When they when they set him up, they busted him. All they did was let him quit. Now he can come back to work for them. All right, do me a favor, Dwayne. I'll be out next week. Uh, when I get back week after, you get back in touch with me. Let's uh, sit down at lunch, okay? All right. All right. I'll do that. Appreciate your call. Thank you very yep. much. You know, might be a lot of nothing. Might be something. I'll meet up with him and see what he's got. Got to take a look. See what's going on. I've had a couple of uh, emails. Oh, no, now I'm going to have to spend all afternoon trying not to imagine a Galaxy 7 being where that guy just said. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I I understand. I got, I'm, I'm with you. I, I totally understand uh, what uh, you're saying there. Hey, don't forget about what PI Roofing is doing right now. They are expanding. They are hiring. And uh, they pay well. And if you'd like to be part of their team, here's what you need to do. You need to apply at piroofing.com. Piroofing.com. Send your resume there. Or you can call them 501-707-3551. Joel Johnson is a great guy. He's another one of those people who have built a business from literally scratch. Start off with a pickup truck, driving neighborhoods, Looking at the roofs of the homes, he knew when you look at the at the uh, shingles, he knew which ones were probably had problems with leaks. He'd go up, find out where the leaks were for the people, and uh, would fix those leaks for him. That's why you always hear PI Roofing, your roof leak detective. Well, now it's PI Roofing Home Solutions, and they're expanding their operations department to better serve their customers as they grow even more. You want to build your uh, future? You can do it with them. PI Roofing and Home Solutions has career opportunities now in the Commercial Roofing and Service Division, Residential Roofing and Service Division, and their Home Solutions Division. Go make a difference. Climb the ladder to success. Apply at piroofing.com or 501-707-3551. Story just now came up, and I got to bring this to you because... It just goes to show you how, you know, yesterday 
or Tuesday, I, I, I kind of, I went on a rant about how things in this country now were just totally different than the way I remember uh, the way this country always was. And this is another great example of this. This is from the Washington Examiner. The administrators at Ripon College in Wisconsin. You got your head taped together there, uh, Russ, because when you hear this, you're going to go nuts. Have ruled that a September 11th memorial cannot take place on campus because it may offend Muslim students. The uh, private school cited bias reports that were filed during last year's September 11 memorial project, a project that was a part of Young America's Foundation's iconic patriotism initiative, which takes place across the country on campuses every year. The school's bias protocol board said the project creates an environment where students from a Muslim background will feel singled out and or harassed, and as a result, Ripon students will not be allowed to hang flyers as part of their vigil to remember the victims of September 11th. According to YAF, administrators claim that one of their objections is because radical Islamic terrorism represents only a small percentage of the terrorist attacks that happened to this country, and they don't represent the full gamut. And they show a very small picture of a specific religion or nationality instead of the larger viewpoint, unquote. This attempt by Rippon's College's Bias Protocol Board to sanitize the truth out of remembering the anniversary of September 11th proves the necessity of YAF's iconic 9-11 Never Forget Project, as well as the need for bold YAF activities and activists. Young America's Foundation spokesman Spencer Brown told Red Alert Politics, YAF's leadership in creating meaningful memorials on this important date in our nation's history ensures that the rising generation remembers the 2,977 innocent lives lost. The administrator's reliance on feelings rather than facts betrays their intention to cower from the truth rather than highlight the scourge of radical Islamic terror for what it is. Evil. Unbelievable. Can't have a 911 memorial because it might offend a Muslim student. You're in I the don't United States. I remember anybody saying anything in that memorial about Muslims having anything to do with this. Yeah. Despite the fact that we know who did that it, it was Muslims who took down these planes yeah. and took down our World Trade Center and who perpetrated all of this. But all they're doing is memorializing the death of Americans. Yeah, that's all they're doing. And I guess the flyers are going to have pictures of of those who lost their lives. 
Like that's a terrible thing to do is to remember those who were killed. And guess what? I bet some of those that were killed were Muslims. What you want to bet? Uh, guaranteed. Yes. Just, just not just Muslims. There were. I mean, who else? Was every in that, nationality in the World Trade and religion was in that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, World Trade Center. That was place where, from all over the world, people did their business. Really, really incredible how stupid administrators get at some colleges and how it just shows you the lefties are everywhere and they do stupid stuff constantly and again this is all about feelings we don't want anybody to feel bad you know we don't want anybody to feel bad but what about the families of all the people that were killed i guess they're not feeling bad anymore they well you know they forgot about we're sanitizing the death of millions of americans from the Civil War. Oh, yeah. We're sanitizing the death of thousands of people in the Revolutionary War. We're sanitizing the death of Americans from Vietnam and World War One, World War Two, and all the uh, people who lost their lives in concentration camps. Yeah, I just want you to think for a second, Russ. If we go by the what they're saying here, we wouldn't have a World War II memorial because it might offend a German or a Japanese. Uh, well, be quiet. It's going to get torn down next year. No, I mean, just think about that. It's unbelievable. Here's another one. I'm, I'm, I'm too bad I don't have uh, my bud here, Robert Steinbach, right now. The U.S. Department of Justice says Harvard University puts Asian-American applicants at a disadvantage through the school's use of a subjective personal rating in the admissions process that, according to a new court filing in a federal lawsuit challenging the legality of affirmative action, the statement of interest filed today by the Justice Department supported the claims made by the plaintiffs who have sued Harvard for allegedly limiting the number of Asian-American students that it admits and holding them to a higher standard than students of other races. The lawsuit against Harvard was filed in Boston Federal Court back in 2014 by Students for Fair Admissions, a nonprofit whose members include Asian-American students who were denied admission to Harvard. Uh, It has become a closely watched battle over how one of the nation's most selective colleges chooses who gets admitted and whether the process illegally discriminates on the basis of race. In In criticizing the personal rating, the Justice Department was referring to one component of Harvard's undergraduate admissions process, that evaluates applicants based in part on a subjective assessment of character traits. The plaintiffs have said in earlier court filings that their analysis found Asian-American applicants have the highest academic and extracurricular ratings of any other racial group, but the lowest score on the personal rating, which includes an evaluation of the applicant's personality. The rating is also based on teacher recommendations, personal essays, and admission interviews, according to Harvard. Lawyers for the Justice Department said the personal rating reflects 
racial stereotypes that Asian American applicants are less likable and hurts their chances of admission despite their higher academic ratings. The vague and illusory personal rating may be infected with racial bias against Asian Americans, the Justice Department wrote in the filing. When we come back, I'll tell you what Harvard's saying. Harvard's saying, but we got to let these other guys in, even though they got lower scores and everything, and even though they probably won't graduate because we need their money. All right, it's time to take a break, find out what's happening in the news, and then when we come back, We'll do another half hour together live, then uh, JR, and we'll replay his interview uh, from the governor's office. And then it's Wanshatong football coming to your radio live and direct with Rex Nelson. So we'll get to all of that here in the near future. But right now, let's get to the uh, news. That's happening right now. All right, back with you. And I promised you to give you the uh, the information from what the folks uh, at Harvard, had to say about all of this uh, personal rating. That personal rating, that, that sounds like it's uh, pretty subjective to me, not very objective in uh, any which way. Now, remember what it is said about the personal rating. The personal rating, they said, can be infected with racial bias against Asian Americans. Because they said uh, the lawyers for Justice Department said the personal rating reflects racial stereotypes that Asian American applicants are less likable and hurts their chances of admission despite all of their higher academic ratings. Harvard has argued its admissions process takes into account ratings on academics athletics, and extracurricular activities, as well as the personal rating. Race is just one of many factors considered, along with social economic background, legacy status. I guess that, did you have somebody in your family who went to Harvard before? And athletic achievement, according to the school. The government said in the filing that Harvard acknowledged it tends to score Asian American applicants lower on the personal rating, but couldn't explain why. Representing an intentional and unexplained use of race in the admissions process, said the school's practice defies Supreme Court decisions requiring schools to consider race in a narrowly tailored way to achieve diversity. It's the first time the Department of Justice has weighed in with legal arguments opposing Harvard's admissions practices, although its stance was not unexpected. The department has been signaling for several months that it was seeking to dismantle longstanding norms and admission practices and would support Students for Fair Admissions, led by conservative legal activist Edward Bloom, in its uh, litigation against Harvard. This summer, the Justice and Education Departments jointly began directing schools to adopt race-neutral admission standards. Wasn't that, isn't that the way it's supposed to be? We're not supposed to be looking at race. Everybody should not be decided upon by their color of their skin, but on their character and upon, you know, their accomplishments. It's reversing the Obama era guidance that encouraged the use of race 
to promote diversity. The um, boy, I can't wait. Ru- you know, Russ uh, Rob is going to just eat this alive. He's going to be all over this. The Justice Department's Civil Rights Division has also opened its own investigation into the use of race in Harvard's admissions practices. A Justice Department official said Thursday that the uh, investigation is still ongoing and could result in a separate lawsuit or administrative proceedings. Harvard said in a statement today that it was, quote, deeply disappointed, unquote, in the Justice Department's position, but that it wasn't surprising given the highly irregular investigation the DOJ has engaged in thus far and the department's repeal of affirmative action guidance this summer. The government said in its court filing it has a substantial interest in the lawsuit's outcome because it could affect the Justice Department's investigation as well as the interpretation and scope of multiple federal anti-discrimination laws. Today's filing also echoed the plaintiff's other legal arguments, including that Harvard sets racial quotas and has failed to consider race-neutral alternatives. The Justice Department said Harvard's constant monitoring and manipulation of the racial makeup of its incoming class at multiple stages of the administration's process is akin to illegal racial balancing. The Supreme Court has said universities cannot build a freshman class with specified percentage targets for each racial group, but it has allowed universities to consider race as a factor in admissions to obtain the benefits of a diverse student body. Harvard says the share of Asian American students, as well as other minority groups, has fluctuated over the six years reviewed in the lawsuit. Earlier this week, Harvard made its final plea to a federal judge that she could rule in the school's uh, favor without proceeding to trial, which is scheduled to begin in Boston in October. Harvard's lawyers reiterated arguments that the plaintiffs relied on flawed analyses of admissions data and that the school needs to consider race in order to craft a diverse class and achieve its educational objectives. Sixteen prestigious U.S. universities supported Harvard in a court filing last month and said any prohibition on considering race and admissions decisions would be an extraordinary intrusion by the federal government. Of course it would. They'd be intruding on making sure that people who shouldn't be at one of the highest-ranking universities, and I use that loosely, uh, in the country, that you shouldn't be uh, going there because you can't cut the cake. And that people who evidently could cut the cake because they're beating your tail in the admissions process until you get to the whole personal thing, uh, don't get to go to school there. It's just really, really amazing, is it not? You listen to that? That's uh, just uh, terrible. It really is. It's it's. It's bad. I'll get Robert on to talk about this next time he's on here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Talk about that. 
Uh, maybe I can get him to stop by tomorrow if he's got time and we can talk specifically uh, about this. be interesting to uh, discuss again. So what else is new out there? How about this one for you? Unmanned airship the size of a double-decker bus loaded with high-definition cameras could be used by police to be watching people from the sky. Eon could revolutionize police and rescue operations by offering silent aerial surveillance. The fully autonomous aircraft would be able to land on water, allowing it to access a wide range of locations. It would be equipped with a small detachable drone that could carry medical supplies and other aid. See, now they're going to try to sell this on, look what it could do to help save people's lives that were in a, you know, a forest fire or something like that. They don't want to talk about they got this thing loaded up with cameras so they can fly over top of uh, areas and uh, be watching all the people on the ground. An unna- uh, unmanned airship could revolutionize police and rescue operations by silent surveillance from above using an array of high-resolution cameras. The zero-emission vehicle dubbed Eon is designed by British aviation firm Avalon Airships to be a fully autonomous aircraft that lands on the water. The company claims a vehicle about the same size of a double-decker bus would fit a wide variety of applications and that ranges from commercial uses to ambulance surveillance and policing applications. Can you say that you thought maybe you had a little bit of privacy to you'll have no privacy at all? Some of these, uh, you know, airships floating around cities, and believe me, they'll, uh, city councils uh, will find a way of buying one for every city. You just got to have the newest and brightest equipment you got to be able to watch people 24-7. We're not to be trusted, you know. Uh, the unmanned airship could provide silent surveillance from above using an array of highly resolution cameras. Writing on its website, it says, With a streamlined profile and high-torque electric motors, this vehicle can travel efficiently at speeds far greater than is achievable using road and rail networks. The silent hybrid airship design allows this aircraft to stay in the air for extended periods of time while having a flexible payload capacity. Hmm. What might it be carrying? Tear gas? Who knows? All right, about quarter to four. We got to get a break in here. Don't forget about my good friends, Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics. You know, they've been around now 40 years. And Gary Horton, considered one of the godfathers of prosthetics. He's the one who gave you the articulating knee so the prosthetic bends like a regular leg. Before then, if you had a prosthetic for a leg, it uh, was basically a stiff leg. You would, um, if you wanted to walk, you would take uh, the break that was there in the um, prosthetic and you lock it and you'd walk like that, you know. And then when you got where you're going to sit down, you'd sit down and then you would take and set up the the, the ability to break uh, the the prosthetic so you could 
have the ability to sit down without your legs just sticking out. Well, Gary O'Horton, in working with NASA, devised the articulating knee so that you could walk just like you got a regular leg. And uh, it's gotten better and better and better. Well, they're taking their uh, initial first location over on 12th Street, and they're completely revamping it, making it into a state-of-the-art facility for you and others who need uh, work on prosthetics and orthotics. That's going to give them those six locations because if you count the new updated facility here in Little Rock, they'll have North Little Rock, Bryant, Conway, Fort Smith, and Searcy. Torton's Orthotics and Prosthetics, they are providing a lifetime of support. All right, uh, the folks over at Applied Research who helps do the final testing to see if, um, you know, medicinal uh, pills or cough syrup or salves and whatever uh, is ready to be uh, put on the marketplace, they need your help. They need you to take part in some of their clinical research studies to see how well these medicines and applications work and uh, they're asking you to give a call to them or better yet go on their website check out the different uh, things that they're looking at different medical conditions and see if uh, you fit in any of that and can uh, you know take part in getting these medicines out on uh, the market Uh, for instance uh, for they've got diabetic medicines they've got dermatitis uh you know, medicines for eczema, acne, people with moderate to severe acne, asthma, testosterone, low testosterone in men, 45 to 80 years old, overactive bladder, uh, kidney stones, and other things. Uh, if you go to their website, arcarkansas.com, you can look at each one of the products that they're checking out. You can uh, see if you meet the criteria to be part of the study, and then uh, ask to be included. Uh, they'll run. They'll ask you some questions, may run a test or two, and if you do, uh, you'll be in. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get the product. You may get the placebo, So, because uh, double-blind, that's what it is. Uh, 501-954-7822 is their number. Uh, talk to them. There is some compensation involved as well. That's 501-954-7822, ARCarkansas.com. That's with Applied Research. We just got a couple of minutes left here. Let me give you some information uh, that uh, I think you'll find interesting. And that, because you're always wondering as you're considering this stuff, and that is, What's the winter going to be like? I mean, we're coming to the end of the summer now. We're going to get into fall. And, you know, if you're over the sweltering heat and humidity that we've gotten here uh, during the summertime, what's the winter looking like? Well, the Farmer's Almanac has predicted a colder-than-normal winter from the Continental Divide all the way eastward with teeth-chattering cold arriving in mid-February in the northeast. Great Lakes, and even into the southeast. Uh, contrary to stories storming the web, our time-tested long-range formula is pointing towards a very long, cold, and snow-filled winter 
editor Peter Geiger said in a statement on the company's website. Now, don't get this, you know, confused with the old Farmer's Almanac because they're saying that we're going to have an above-normal temperature winter almost everywhere in the United States, in addition to more rain instead of snow. The uh, Old Farmer's Almanac says, quote, our milder-than-normal forecast is due to a decrease in solar activity and the expected arrival of a weak El Nino, which will prevent cold air masses from lingering in the north. But don't go heading to the store for more shovels yet. As meteorologists say, it's nearly impossible to figure out the weather that far ahead. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? They sure can tell 20, 40, 80 years down the road that what the weather's going to be like and, you know, the coasts are going to be underwater and we're all going to be dying of heat stroke or ice cubes flowing down the Arkansas River. Who knows? The ability to predict, predict events that far in advance is, now this is Penn State meteorologist Paul Knight. What do you think the percentage is, Russ? Take a guess. Uh, I'd say somewhere around 0.065%. Yeah, zero. That's exactly what the meteorologist said. That's just talking about three months from now. But boy, they can tell us climate change is going to destroy the world. Anyway, there's no proven skill. There's no technique that's agreed upon in science to be able to do that. We're running out of time. Coming up. Ooh, touchdown. Yeah, that's coming up right after J.R. Davis in an interview I had with him a little earlier. We'll talk about a lot of things going on, rules and regulations, the School Safety Commission, the Senate, talking about streaming the meetings and all of that. He and I will discuss all of that, plus the the latest, those five deaths in the prison in the last week and a drug called K2. What's that all about? We'll be talking about that as well that's all coming your way uh for your listening pleasure then rex nelson is going to be on and he's bringing the washita uh football game to you today they're over in oklahoma in uh in altus is that where they're at or alva? No, i think they're in alva oklahoma. alva yeah one and the same <laughs> out in the middle, middle of, no- of nowhere the middle of nowhere is exactly I hope they have. I'm wondering how good the restaurants are. You know, I'll have to. I've got to get Rex, Rex on to talk about that. Well, you know, he knows every restaurant yes, between he here does. and Alva, Oklahoma. And he knows every restaurant between here and wherever they travel to. I'm just telling you. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he knows where to eat. There's because Rex likes his food. I'm just telling you. But he'll be coming up at five o'clock uh, with the pregame show here on uh, our uh, our station 101.1 FM. Uh, the answer. I'll be back tomorrow, 2 o'clock. It's a Friday. We'll have uh, a lot of things to talk about as far as food goes. We've got some different chefs that are going to drop by and visit with us. We'll talk to them about food. It's always good talking about food. We'll also have some people to come on in the first uh, hour and a half or so and talk about politics. We'll have all of that for you tomorrow here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget that next week, of course, Monday, it's a best of day. Uh, because it's Labor Day, 
Tuesday, I'm traveling to Washington, D.C. State Senator Alan Clark will be sitting in for me. Wednesday and Thursday, I'll broadcast live from D.C. from the Hold Your Feet to the Fire uh, meeting uh, at the Phoenix Hotel, a couple of blocks away from the Capitol, and we'll talk about illegal immigration. And then on Friday, Shane Stacks will be here to uh, join you for fun and games on the Dave Ellswick Show. So a great week coming our way next week, but a great, great show tomorrow, so don't miss it from 2 until 6. I'm Dave Ellswick. Have a great day. I'm, I'm leaving live, but we got more programming coming your way right after the news. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.